On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, yesterday marked 10 years since Masai Ujiri joined the Toronto Raptors as their GM. On today's show, we will dig into our biggest takeaways from 10 years of Masai, talk about our favorite moves and moments and what he's done for the franchise. Plus, do we still trust Masai going forward? We'll get into all that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. Let's get to it. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, June the 1st, baby, it's June, crazy, one month from free agency, few weeks away from the draft we're moving in it's really freaking hot uh you'll notice the door of my office is open because i would die if it weren't because it's so bloody hot in this office once the uh <laughs> once the heat starts to rise so bear with me as you have some jackets in the background i think there and a brick wall it's fine um either way if you're listening on audio that doesn't matter to you anyway so who cares i am of course your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, baby. The link is in the description of the podcast, both in audio and video. It's super fun. But 80 folks in there now just talking Raptors, having a good time, good vibes. Lots of like polite disagreement and gentle agreement. Nothing, none of the other stuff you find on the more angry parts of the internet. So come hang out in Lockdown Raptors in the Discord. Link in the description. Also, subscribe rate review all that good stuff and thanks for making us your first listen of the day on today's show 10 years now and a day since Masai Ujiri took over as Raptors GM and we're going to dig into those 10 years and kind of break it all down and we're going to do that with our pal Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic Jamar how are you my friend I'm pretty good it's the start of the NBA finals today my other team Denver Nuggets. Hell yeah, baby. The official team of Locked On Raptors, it should be said. (laughs) (laughs) And I know there's been a bunch of casuals who complain, oh, what about the ratings? Since when do they watch that? I don't know. Are you an executive at ESPN or TNT? (laughs) Then you shouldn't care what the ratings are. Yeah. If you're into (laughs) basketball and like actual basketball, and not like Mm -hmm. some of these reporters coming, oh, this team is not compelling enough to write about. If you're into actual basketball, this will be a great final. So, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like people just uh, exposing themselves. It's just bad at their jobs when they say things like the Nuggets aren't interesting or the Heat aren't interesting. Uh, You know who I can tell you is not interesting is the Boston Celtics, the most predictable team in the history of the world. Oh, you mean they're going to be dependent on their threes and sometimes they're going to completely lay a giant puddle at their feet uh, when a game is close? Oh, shocking, crazy. That's interesting stuff. No, it's not. Uh, This finals is going to rock. I'm really excited about it for sure. Uh, And and I'm happy for everybody, really. We get Jokic and Murray on one end. We get Kyle freaking Lowry and Jimmy Butler on the other end. There's just like no downside to this series. Yeah, Kitchener doing watch parties from Murray. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this uh, is going to be, it might honestly be the coolest finals matchup of my lifetime uh, if I'm being hyperbolic, but I don't think that's all that hyperbolic. I think that's uh, 
pretty accurate considering uh you know there's been lots of lakers in the finals in my lifetime and those are all out those are lame the celtics boo uh (laughs) the spurs boring they don't got Jokic. they got boring ass tim duncan anyway we're not here to talk about the finals jamar we're here to talk about a man who has won an nba finals as the head of a team a man who has turned the toronto raptors from total doormat franchise into pretty bloody respectable to the point where a 41 and 41 season feels like a massive disappointment whereas 2008 2010 11 12 you get 41 wins any of those seasons you're laughing you're having the greatest time of your life um so let's uh dive in shall we we'll get into some of our favorite messiah moves and moments from over the years we'll get into the future and the level of trust in Masai Ujiri and the regime that still runs the Toronto Raptors going into an offseason that has a whole lot of people feeling a whole lot of angst and anxiety and fear and uh, all sorts of stuff. But let's start off the top. You think about the 10 years Masai's been on the team, Jamar. Mm-hmm. What kind of comes to mind as sort of like a big takeaway of Masai's time? A little bit of a refresher on the numbers behind it all. 490 and 310 regular season record, a 613 winning percentage for the Raptors since Masai Ujiri took over, eight 48-plus win seasons, five 50-win seasons, one would have been a 60-win if it wasn't for a damn pandemic, Uh, 46 playoff wins, nine playoff series, one and one championship. These numbers compiled by our pal Vivek Jacob, who tweeted about this yesterday, spawning the idea for the episode. Shout out to Big V. Um, Previously to that, a 407 franchise winning percentage of 581 and 847. Zero 48 plus win seasons. 10 48 plus loss seasons. 11 playoff wins. 11 over, what was it, 18 years? Crazy. Uh, zero playoff series wins. Zero championships. A whole lot of toil. Dozens of uh, really good players no longer being on the Raptors or refusing to even come to the Raptors. Things have changed, Jamar, huh? A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaways is just basically even I've been a Raptors fan since in its inception and it's just it's it's really it's really night and day. I mean, you had a, a couple of good seasons, albeit before Masai, obviously. The Vince run uh, when we made it, got to the playoffs, especially the 0-1 run against Philly was really cool where they could have gotten to their first Eastern Conference Finals. And then, you know, having a little bit of a rejuvenated Raptors team under Sam Mitchell when he won Coach of the Year in 07, that was cool. But really, those were the only – well, I guess 2000 was good too. But really, you can only point at three seasons out of the first 18 where mm-hmm. you were happy with the results. Yeah. Um, like legitimately happy with the results. The 08 season was kind of a fallback, ironically, back to her 500 where the Raptors were this season. And then coming to when Masai first got here, it was really a team where they had players, they had a roster. I mean, <laughs> they had congratulations they had, on they had, having they had, players. <laughs> they had Kyle before, like. Kyle really found himself and was actually thinking of leaving Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damar hadn't found himself yet. They had Rui Gay, who was banning stat sheets. Uh, yeah, was, I mean, the, Amir Johnson was here. I mean, they had some guys that, you know, would contribute, but there was just no plan. You know, it was just a franchise bumbling around. And then there obviously – was some some luck involved. Um, one of those would be, uh, which I don't want to get too much into the next segment, but one of those being Lowry was supposed to be dealt with 
to the Knicks, but uh, Masai kept fleecing uh, the Knicks so much. <laughs> James Dolan was like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. We can't doing, give them a bond Shumpert? No way! We're not, do, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Because he had, uh, yeah, he, he, and that was one of his uh, better moves earlier on that we'll get into, I'm sure. But even mm-hmm. with the Nuggets, with the Mellow trade, where they gave up too much and basically traded their whole team for Mellow, one of those picks ended up being um, Jamal Murray, uh, which is which is funny in itself. But, yeah, um, there was a string of awesome moves that Masai made when he, when he first got here. And it mm-hmm basically created a championship team so yeah everything changed the attitude changed him and um he he made it adamant that you know we needed a a a better practice facility mm-hmm. we needed a g league team because um when he even dra- i know like the bruno move didn't pan out but when he actually drafted him uh the raptors didn't have um like a 905 to like you know help him you know develop and that kind mm-hmm. of screwed him that kind of screwed him up and maybe he would have been a different player but there's a lot of moves that Masai made to make the Raptors a competitive team not just for like the immediate future but you know over a whole decade basically yeah you have had a couple bumps along the road but basically the Raptors have been one of the best teams in the entire NBA over the last decade yeah I mean I think the big takeaway for me is they have become a serious franchise, which exactly. they were not before no. Masai Ujiri came. They were this sort of, you mentioned bumbling. It's a really good word for it. I would say reactionary and like just kind of short-sighted is a word I'd throw around as well. You get the whole sort of like cycle of Brian Colangelo panic moves and then reactions to said panic moves. They were kind of just this like, yeah, it, there was no cohesion to it. There was no culture. It was just no. kind of a, a storing house for guys who were going to go play somewhere else and be better elsewhere someday, whether it was your really good players in a Chris Bosh who saw greener pastures and left, or players who you had who you just couldn't maximize and then went on to other success elsewhere. Far, or a farm team. Exactly, 100%. They were, at a point, like the Oakland A's of the NBA. Of the NBA. And With fans. With fans, yes, uh, <laughs> and not relocating to Vegas, thankfully. Um, but yeah, the what, what Masai's done, he's—I really think he's tackled the sort of inferiority complex that a lot of Raptors fans. It still exists. It probably will always exist to some degree. Mm-hmm. But the whole like believe in your city, believe in yourself speech still is burned into my brain, and I think the brains of a lot of Raptors fans. And yes, there are hiccups, right? The last couple of years have been a little weird and they were set back by the COVID year and the, uh, and the bubble and all that stuff. And there are reasons for it. It was awful, but like there have still been successes sprinkled in there. The Scotty Barnes pick really good. Um, and, And as much as there's murkiness as to what's to come next, I still think I'd rather go to war with Masai Ujiri running the show than some sort of new fresh face because we don't know that that other new fresh face will be able to kind of bring and instill the culture that Masai Ujiri has built here. And it sounds corny and cheesy, but it is 100% a thing. And the Raptors are no longer this sort of, no one wants to play for this franchise because you can't get ESPN in Canada type of team anymore, right? (laughs) They've established a culture of keeping their own guys, taking care of their own guys, you know, retaining and re-signing pending free agents, even when they get to unrestricted free agency. Outside of Kawhi Leonard and then Danny Green tied to that, really, every player they've wanted to keep over the last 10 years, they've kept. And and so it it all just compiles into a thing where I think Raptors fans should really kind of just stop and smell the roses sometimes with Masai Ujiri. This is not common. 
you don't often see teams that go on these sustained runs of being relevant, being in the mix, even though right now it feels like they're not. They're way more relevant and in the mix than they ever have been before. They were in conversations for freaking Kevin Durant last summer, serious or not. They were still coming up as one of those teams because they're not this sort of doormat franchise anymore. And Masai Ujiri is the biggest reason for that. Obviously, the players on the floor do a lot of the sort of heavy lifting there. Dwayne Casey was essential to all of this, but... Dwayne Casey doesn't get that run if Masai Ujiri doesn't practice patience with him and let him, a guy who was not his hire, build that team into what it became before the Nick Nurse move was made when it needed to be made. It's just, they're a serious franchise now in a way they were not before, and it feels the last couple of years, like I think there's been sort of a, a bit of a reminder that, hey, the Raptors ain't special, the NBA is hard, and they're not some sort of franchise of destiny, but I, I honestly can understand those who kind of have that feeling about the Raptors, that they are a team of destiny, that they are special and apart from the rest of the trials and tribulations that the league has to go through, because Masai Ujiri's had so much bloody success that it's like warped our brains into thinking, wow, maybe they are special. Maybe there is something just like unbelievably unique going on here. And I think that's kind of the the prevailing takeaway from Masai is they're legit. They are a like a real established, meaningful franchise in the NBA and that was not the case 10, 10 years and a day ago by any means. And so we're going to come back on the other side, get into our favorite moves and moments from Masai Ujiri's time. we got a couple of listener submissions as well we'll get to throughout the show as we reflect upon Masai Ujiri's 10 years in Toronto to date. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at... FanDuel, as right now, the NBA Finals getting rolling. You want to go throw a little scratch down in the NBA Finals? FanDuel is the place to do it. Go make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals. That is, this is the best time to do it right now because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is an incredible amount. $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They get great promotions every day. You've got a safe and secure app to use. You get paid instantly as well. And there is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. You get some same game parlays going as well for game one of the finals. Maybe you want to go and put a little on the over for Kyle Lowry. What a fun thing that would be. You can go and do that. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we continue on here. Jamar Hines, Raptors Republic, along for your first listener of the day. Thank you for being an everyday listener of the show if you are one of those people. Let us know in the comments or shoot me a DM on your app of choice to let me know if you're an everydayer. It's a very, very cool thing to see people checking in every day. Uh, and you're missing lots if you don't tune in every day. We had lots of draft prospect profiles and stuff the last few weeks or last week or so. Uh, you can go check those out uh, among all the other good stuff we got cooking. So... Jamar, Masai Ujiri, best moves and moments. Let's just kind of, we can go broad here. What's like your favorite Masai Ujiri move from his time with the Raptors? You know, the, the chalk one is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, we can. But yeah, yeah we, we don't have to use that one. No, no, you know, no, that no I'm not going to use that one. As much as that one is sort of deemed as this like bold move in hindsight, it's actually like a total no-brainer. I kind of thought it was a no-brainer the day it happened. I know there was a lot of people who were resistant to the idea, um, but like that, I don't think goes down as like, one of his more sort of visionary moves necessarily. I think it was just like a really opportunistic, obvious yeah. thing to do. But yeah, what you got as far as like favorite Messiah moves? <clears throat> yeah, we can we can skip the Kawhi one. Although I have to admit, I wasn't 
like totally jumping for joy day one, and that's just simply because Demar still is my Everybody favorite loved rapper. Demar. So yeah. yeah, I was yeah, I, I didn't want to see him go, but I I totally understood why. Um, I want to go back to let's for probably my favorite move. Well, first of all, you know they got uh, the. Gravis Vasquez, uh, Patrick Patterson, Chuck Hayes, Salmons. They got those guys in the trade when they got uh, traded yeah. Rudy Gay. But one mm-hmm. of those guys, uh, Gravis Vasquez, who had a couple of moments here. I mean, he had the one good moment, uh, the 2015 playoffs, where he hit the tying three in game one, did, did the shimmy, and everything mm-hmm. else went to hell. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> the Raptors flipped him to the Bucks for Norm and the 2017 first-round pick that became OG. Yep. I mean, Va- I don't know how many seasons Vasquez played after that. I want to say maybe two. I want to so, say, I, I think the number of games he played with the Bucks is like hilariously low. Let me double check this one as you talk. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, geez, at this to this day is still here. Uh, you flipped uh, you flipped Norm for, for Gary Trent. So basically... Greaves Vasquez was responsible for two of the five Raptors starters mm-hmm. this just past season. And that trade was almost eight years ago. Yeah. So I would want to say that one worked out. So, Greaves played 23 games as a Milwaukee Buck and then three games with the Brooklyn Nets the next year and then didn't play anymore in the NBA. Exactly. <laughs> Talk so, about selling at the right time. Exactly. At the right time. <laughs> so that is definitely my favorite move. Um, and then I, I, as a runner up, they again trading at the right time, and this is why James Dolan just didn't trust Masai. The, the first move, basically, you know, you had Andrea Bargnani here that was going absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. You flip, you flip him, uh, you get a first round pick back, which ended up being Yaka Proto, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of kick started everything. So yeah, I'll, I'll throw that in there as well. As far as favorite moments, again, I'm going back to early times. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first playoff run before the uh, the series started, where he goes up to the to the uh, Jurassic Park for the like the very first time, and he's like mm-hmm. at Brooklyn and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. That was funny mm-hmm. as hell. But the second time was even funnier when Paul Pierce was saying the next year the playoffs, and Paul Pierce was saying the Raptors don't have it. And he was right. He was was spot on. Hate Paul (laughs) Pierce, but got to give him credit. He was was right. But at the time, obviously, we're like, what is it? And we didn't know what that was, which is kind of speaks to his point. But that one was probably my favorite moment because Adam Silver was here. And Adam Silver was in Jurassic Park. And, you know, everybody's there. And everybody's wanting Masai to say something. And before Masai, you know, says, we don't give a shit about it. (laughs) <laughs> Remember, he pointed out Adam Silver, and he's like, "Hey, the commissioner's right here." <laughs> and he just and he knew what happened the previous year, and he said it right in front of him. And then I believe they, uh, I believe it was TSN that interviewed Adam Silver at some point, maybe second quarter of Game One, and he was just like, I, I, "He knows better." He shouldn't have said that. But the, the, the why is he just, doing swears? <laughs> the, the, the balls just to. to, to point him out and then do that just crack me up i'm just like i can't believe you did it again i I wish i was there that was my one regret i was i've only been to jurassic park during a playoff game i want to say like two times one of those was uh the brooklyn 
game seven that the Raptors lost. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It was, well, the other time was during the 2019 run. I can't remember which game exactly. But I wish I was there during one of those times where, you know, we were egging, it on, egging him on to say something and he said something. That, that's one, That's my one regret. But, yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. my favorite Masai moment. That's a great one. I mean, I, I don't don't think I could be in the presence of Masai doing something like that because all of the walls around me would be in grave danger of me running through them. Uh, <laughs> Just, yeah, every time he talks, I just feel, like, uh, energized and, like, I want to go uh, do exercise for the first time in months. Uh, he's just, he's he's, a, he's really inspiring, man. I, for me, I think the move that honestly gets a little bit forgotten in how shrewd it was is the Marcus Gasol trade. A- and that year, it was a, not an easy trade to make, right? Jonas Valanciunas had been really good that season before he got hurt. He was probably having his best year as a Raptor. Um, it's a shame that he got hurt when he did, and we never got to see him play in the uniform again. But that trade, I think, they don't win the title without Marcus All. Like, they do not play the defense that they end up busting out throughout that those playoffs, whether it was against Philly or Milwaukee or, you know, I think in particular against the Warriors. Because Saul's ability to, like, track up to the level of the screen, contest Steph Curry's shots, like not be out of place, have the angles and the sort of body movement down to overcompensate for his lack of athleticism. They, that was the reason they could play that sort of multiplicitous defense where it was, all right, this possession, we're doing this, and then we're doing this and this. Marcus Gasol was the guy who tied the defense together. In addition, he's the guy who connected everything on that offense too. That Remember, that was like the Kawhi offense and then everybody else. And like the two versions of the team really kind of had a trouble sort of combining we saw them like very different versions of the team when Kawhi was in versus when Kawhi was getting load managed and it never felt like there was any cohesion there lo and behold you throw in one of the best passing big men of all time and it tied it all together like a beautiful little bow it was a full-on like final piece of the championship puzzle deal and it was made really with with guys who were the result of smart Maasai moves like DeLon Wright, part of that whole shadow core in the G League, you know, was kind of ascendance. He was drafted before I think the G League team came in, but like part of that shadow core of really good players that they built up. Jonas Valanciunas, a guy that kind of rode with for a very long time despite his defensive inefficiencies and all of that. And obviously, I don't think they win the title with him playing defense against Steph Curry and the Warriors, for example, or whatever. But, um, you know, he was a guy who had been there for a long time, wasn't a Maasai pick, but they certainly stuck with him and were patient with him. And then C.J. Miles in that trade, you know, he is the result of the sort of maneuvering to get out of the Damari Carroll mistake, which people forget. That was a hiccup. That didn't work so hot. They had to give up a first-round pick to get off that contract, and they turned into C.J. Miles, which turned into the bench mob, and then eventually into that trade. And just all that went into that, all that led up to it, the fact that it was done on that day where the whole East was kind of doing the arms race thing, you had the Miritich trade, I feel like the Celtics did something, maybe I'm forgetting something, um, the Sixers were were busy, like, and they, you know, they just gotten Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and all this, like, it was just a really awesome trade, and it completely tied everything together, made the team even better after the Kawhi era was done as well, with that wonderful 2019-20 season, that to me is like such a smart and underrated Maasai trade that uh, kind of gets lost, I think, a little because the Kawhi deal is the big one from that year. But they don't right. win that. See, they don't win that cha- championship without Marcus Gasol. I'm convinced of that. Um, I want to listen. I read off a listener uh, submission uh, sure. uh, on Maasai before we dig into the conversation about uh, has he lost it? Is he bad now? Uh, <laughs> 
But the, this one comes from Honey Badger in the Discord. Just reading off my phone here. Please apologize if uh, I'm not looking into the camera uh, as uh, we're watching a video. Uh, Honey Badger says, not really specific moment or move stands out. But how he embraces diverse perspectives in the organization, how he carries himself with grace and takes the high road in spite of situations like Ted Rogers Cottage and the police right. and Oracle Championship celebration, just the pride he's instilled in the city and country. I think a lot of newer fans don't remember how bad management used to be prior to Masai. We were literally the Orlando Magic Detroit Pistons of the league. Sometimes I imagine the damage Masai could do in a spotlight American market like the Lakers or Knicks, despite all the obstacles being a Canadian market. I think the culture is rallied around not using these as excuses. I think that's totally on point the passion you can hear when he speaks and the countless people he's inspired is a huge strength his efforts through basketball without borders are already paying huge dividends f brooklyn uh really good and i think some really good summary of the sort of the overall impact of Masai Ujiri and a lot of those very individual moments where it's pretty great that he was the guy kind of steer steering the ship in and shepherding the franchise we're gonna come back on the other side and get into uh whether he's bad at his job now and if he should be fired and sent into the sun uh or out to sea on a barge we'll see uh we'll get to that in one sec before we dive in there however just a reminder go and check out locked on nba big board a wonderful podcast to prep you for the draft we're just three weeks away now it seems holy hell uh so go check it out and uh the wonderful Raphael barlow leaf thulin and richard stamen doing a wonderful job over there as well there's going to be a new addition to that show, who I'm not going to spoil yet, but I've been really, really leaning on their work a lot during my draft prep, and I'm very excited for that addition to come up as well. So go check out Locked in NBA Big Board. we got your podcasts. All right, Jamar. Uh, Masai, the future, plotting the course. Uh, you know, who's to say if we're closer to the end of the Masai tenure in Toronto than we are to the beginning? Uh, it seems like every time some team comes calling, he's just like, nope, I'm sticking around. And so I would not be shocked if we, 10 years from now, are talking about 20 years of Masai Ujiri. That's a long time in NBA terms. Odds are probably against that happening. But, uh, you know, assuming this next decade is going to be shepherded by, by Masai Ujiri, how do you feel? Where? What's your sort of status check, your confidence level? I know right now, the lack of a coaching hire, the sort of time it's taking there, and more so just the massive, massive questions that hang over this team going into the offseason from the three pending UFAs to do they trade Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi? Are they going to trade up in the draft? Do they tear it all down to the studs? How do they make the money work as the NBA's tax implications are about to make things a lot more difficult for expensive teams? All of these unknowns, I think, are leading to a lot of angst and discord within the fan. Uh, join the Lockdown Raptors Discord, by the way. I said discord. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of sort of just rancor within the fans. Where are you at right now on the Masai Ujiri belief level? Are we still trusting in Masai? Well, first of all, if you're doing a 20 years of Masai podcast 10 years from now, that's a hell of a run for you considering you've already <laughs> just nine years uh secondly um for me i'm speaking for myself obviously what we've just covered in the last two segments obviously i have a lot of reasons to uh believe in Masai for you know leading the raptors into the future so i'm just that's just covering myself at the same time I'm not going to sugarcoat the last three years. I'm not going to gaslight any, you know, Raptors fans that feel otherwise, because part of the reason the Raptors are taking quite a long time to hire a coach is how directionless they are at the moment, where hmm. you're not exactly sure, like even with Fred or Gary, you don't know if they're staying. You don't know if the Raptors are trying to be a winning team, although their moves at the deadline uh, said so, or, you know, or, or should they, you know, 
blow it up and start over? Should they, you know, find a trade for Portland's third overall pick and, you know, draft uh, a scooter or, or somebody like that? Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, the Tampa se- the Tampa season really killed a lot. And then they did get Scotty Barnes out of that. We mentioned that earlier. And then from there, it's like they tried to implement the uh, the whole Vision 6-9 thing. Mm-hmm. Um, schematically, it, it, it kind of worked out last year. It didn't work out this year. And then um, people are thinking, I'm just, when I say people, I'm just saying in general, just what I see on, you know, Raptor Twitter or something. Yeah. People have basically said Masai's flaw right now is he's trying to maybe fleece every deal like he used to. And right. maybe the, the league is caught up to that where, you know, it's okay. Like he's not trading guys at their highest point anymore. He's waiting and maybe even waffling a bit. And then when he does, you know, make a move, it's not the value that he could have gotten before. Like mm-hmm. maybe a Kyle comes to an example where he could have, you know, traded him at the deadline and, um, instead, he it ends up being a signing trade where we get Precious back, or uh, this past uh, tr- trade deadline. I mean, a lot of rumors came out afterwards. The Raptors could have got this many picks. The Raptors could have got that. I don't know. They're just rumors. You know, you don't know the truth to all that kind of stuff. I wish I, I wish I knew exactly what was being offered so I can make my own judgments. But basically, the uh, the fans' main gripe right now is that you know, this current core isn't going to go very far. So what are we really doing? Uh, Mm -hmm. We should be blowing it up. We should be starting over. And which is a hard road in itself. I mean, you don't have to look very far from, uh, from the Sacramento Kings who, you know, spun the block for years and years and years. And they finally broke their, what 17 year playoff Mm -hmm. drought this year. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that every team that, you know, dives under is, is going to do that. But then you, you look at, um, you look at the Sixers who dove under like no other team probably ever has, and they still can't get up the the damn second round. Building a championship roster is tough. And you know what they've been, they've been making cracks at this foot Philly for, the last six years and five of those six years they lost in the second round and then they got swept in the bubble first round they didn't even win a playoff game so there's a lot and then the raptors uh their old model was you know just to keep adding keep adding i mean they were pretty much in the middle in purgatory when like Masai's first got here just a little bit under that probably and then they kind of worked their way there and they kind of you know kept going up and up and you know made these smooth uh shrewd trades to uh become a championship contender so it feels like maybe Masai still believes in that theory the problem is the, the timeline doesn't really add up because at that time you had guys that are like tw- like your core was Damar, who was in his mid-20s, Kyle was not 30 yet. He was still, mm-hmm. like, in his late 20s. Whereas right now, your core is basically Pascal's your best player. He's inching close to 30, and so is Fred. And I don't even know if Fred's going to be here. Mm-hmm. But so it's kind of like this is the first time really in the Maasai era where there's a lot of uncertainty. Because before, there always used to be, like, a clear plan. I would say the only time – there's two times where – 
there was major confusion. Well, not major confusion, but there's two times where there was uncertainty. The, when the Raptors got swept by the Wizards, you didn't know if that was if he was gonna blow it up right there. And then obviously when the Raptors got swept by the Cavs the second time, where it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, where do we go from here? But it doesn't compare to the to, to, to the uncertainty right now because a lot we don't even know what we have. We don't have a coach right now, and we don't know what style of play we're gonna play and For the sure. franchise. So yeah. That was yeah. a lot of rambling there. No, that's... I was trying to cover all the bases where the concerns are legit, but I've seen it happen. So I'm just going to ride with the ship. Uh, I don't know yeah. your thoughts. No, I, I mean, look, I, I think it's possible for intelligent people to make mistakes. I think it's possible for right. people to who are good at their jobs to be bad at their jobs for a little while. And I don't think the answer there is to get rid of them. I think the answer is to do they learn from the mistake? Do they figure it out? And look, they're in a tough spot right now. There's no two ways about it. There is, I think, a big reason for a lot of the concern and consternation is there is no obvious next move here. And what I'd say to that is, like, the absence of a declared plan from the front office doesn't mean that there is no plan. There might be no plan, but I would assume that there is a plan. (laughs) And... Their, their track record suggests that their plans usually end up working out pretty all right. Um, you know, again, there's lots of ways in which this can go wrong. You know, I, I think the Yakub Pirtle trade is going to be up for all sorts of discussion, even more so than it already has been. If Fred Van Vliet walks for nothing and it maybe necessitates you trading your best player because of the fit concerns and all of this stuff. I'm still withholding judgment on sort of the last year of moves until we see what actually happens this summer and how it all settles. But there's absolutely a world in which they go into next season and it's not looking like a particularly pretty scene. Maybe you look at, hey, does Bobby Webster move on or whatever? Like you start looking in there. But ultimately, I would rather the person to try to fix the mess be someone of like the the credibility and the track record of Masai Ujiri. Like greener pastures... You're probably not finding many greener pastures than Masai Ujiri running your basketball team. I think around the league, it's been shown that that's the case. There are a lot of people who run teams poorly and do the whole thing wrong. And I think Masai has managed to sort of manage the relationship with the ownership group and has autonomy, it seems, over basketball decisions in a way that apparently the hockey team doesn't, which is interesting. Um, That was the whole thing last week. But I, I just... Masai, for me, there's too much in terms of track record, in terms of institutional knowledge, in terms of history of him figuring these things out. As much as we simple-minded folks can't figure out all the cat machinations that are in play right now, doesn't mean that they're not thinking about this stuff every single day. And I'm guessing that, like, my prediction here, we get to, like, July 15th and people feel a lot better about the situation. That's kind of where I'm at. Maybe I'm totally Kool-Aid drinking and, like, just believing too much in the in the sort of track record and not looking at the facts that are facing us right now. But I, I just – he's got too long of a history of being good at this that I, I can't imagine he's just, like, lost the fastball. I can't imagine they just totally lost the plot here. It's a more difficult league, surely, to try to operate within. There are more good teams – but it's also, I think, an easier league to really ascend because everyone's got talent and the right mix of chemistry, coaching, you know, the right moves at the right times can get you all of a sudden from the mushy middle into, oh, wow, are we actually like kind of a fringe contender here? Relatively quickly, I think. And so I'm willing to give it this summer to kind of see where things settle, see where this sort of plan they have ends up. 
and then we can kind of have our gripes. But even if we come through this summer and it's looking disappointing and we're not feeling very good about the direction, I still would rather have Masai Ujiri driving the boat than just about anybody else you could go and throw into this job. Maybe fresh eyes are a nice thing. Maybe you swap out Bobby Webster for somebody else. I don't know. But I I just, I can't imagine a world in which you don't want Masai Ujiri being the one kind of looking over and overseeing whatever these next couple years are going to be. It's possible they will be full of trials and tribulations, but Masai's sort of combination of patience and opportunism and talent evaluation, like I still think he's good at that. Like he hasn't lost his fastball there. Scotty Barnes was an excellent pick at number four, it turns out. Um, I, I still feel pretty good about sort of the the quality of the people running the show. And I would much rather the sort of GM and president that you know as as, far, as opposed to the, the sort of devil you don't. Um, that's kind of where I, I come down on it. But any last parting shots here, Jamar, before we round out things? <clears throat> Uh, I think we covered all the bases when it comes to Masai, honestly. <laughs> I don't even really have any. He's pretty rad. I don't know. Uh, yeah. he's, he's very good at his job, and it's nice having him running the team. And, and like I said, the, like the sustained success they've had over the last 10 years, that is not common. And that happened under Masai. That stuff that's on the books of Masai is capable of running a franchise that is that successful. Uh, Show me the person coming in who's got that track record to go in and, and fix whatever's going on right now for, to the degree that it might even need fixing. Who's to say? And but that's, yeah. well, we didn't even really touch on, you know, all the stuff he was doing besides running the Raptors with, you know, basketball, football, Giants of Africa, and all, all everything there. So, so yeah, I, I mean, 10 years have been a success to me. Yeah. There's some, yeah, bumpy right now, but overall, I'm happy. Yeah. Just because the the sort of less successful stretch of that 10 years have been the most recent few years doesn't mean that the, they've lost it, I think, is kind of how I'd put it. Yeah. Like, if, they're, if they had a down spell of a few years in the middle where things didn't work out and they kind of then got it back on track and had seven of 10 successful years, I think you'd feel pretty all right about that as well. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for, for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with Katie Heindel. So we're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet and where he's going. Where Will he be back with the Raptors? Where do we want to see him go if he ends up somewhere else? We'll get into all of that and the sort of, uh, you know, speaking of messy situations for Messiah Jiri to sort through, that is certainly the one this summer that might be the messiest. But Jamar, before we let you go, anything you want to plug for the good people out there? I keep teasing this uh, best Raptor at every number thing. I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. I'm, I, I, I'm waiting for like a completely dead period where, but where, you know, things are a little bit more certain because there's mm-hmm. so much uncertainty right now. And obviously the season's still going on right now. So I'm going to wait a little bit longer on that. But if you follow me at Jamar BH, that's my Twitter handle. If you're listening or you could just see it below. Uh, I have pinned because, you know, the Nuggets fan in me. I've pinned the top 10 Nuggets, just a video of their top 10 plays. Uh, oh, yeah. Going of the playoffs so far. So you can go check that out. And, yeah, I'm excited for the finals, like I said, to begin this podcast. Hell, yeah. Go Nuggets. Go Kyle. Again, no losers here. Just a cool-ass <laughs> basketball. Very, very excited. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Uh, everyone, go uh, follow Jamar, support his stuff, and uh, we will wrap it there. We'll be back again again tomorrow talking Fred Van Vliet with Katie Heindel. Until then, thank you for supporting the show. Please join our Discord server. Come hang out in the Discord and have a little chat. And uh, that is it. Thanks for hanging. Talk to you Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.